0: I just want to share a word this morning with you, the bread of heaven. I want to feast on the bread of heaven this morning. We're going to receive communion in just a moment, but but I want to take a look at Jesus, the bread of life that's come down from heaven. In John chapter 6, if you have your Bibles in John chapter 6, and we're going to, Go through multiple scriptures this morning if you're taking notes. But John chapter 6 and verse 58 says, This is the bread. Jesus said, This is the bread which came down from heaven. I, I would imagine as Jesus is standing there preaching this and saying these things, He's saying, This, I'm the bread. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread... Amen. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus, my friend, is the bread from heaven. He is the bread that satisfies us. In John chapter 6, verse 33 and 35 says, "...for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world." And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who comes and eats of me, that that in the Greek says, he who keeps coming to me, he who keeps coming to me will never again ever be hungry. He'll not be hungry anymore, but we got to keep coming and keep feasting. Does Jesus satisfy your soul today? Is he the bread from heaven that comes, that you feast on, that satisfies? your soul you know a lot of us like Edmund how many of you know Narnia Chronicles of Narnia with Edmund Edmund was satisfied with the Turkish delights he was satisfied with the the ice queens Turkish delights and a lot of us are the same way we'd be easily satisfied with the Turkish delights of the world and Jesus is standing and he offers to you and I this eternal bread from heaven this bread that satisfies our soul is there a hunger inside of you for, for the eternal bread of heaven? Are you feasting on Jesus today? In Exodus chapter 16, we find the manna that comes from heaven. In just a moment, I'll talk about that. But in Isaiah, in Isaiah 55, it says this, Ho, everyone who thirst, come to the waters. There's, there's exclamation points there in Isaiah 55, 1. Isaiah, oh, everyone who thirst, are you thirsty today? Jesus stood up on the last and the great day of the feast in John 7 and verse 37 and said, if anyone's thirsty, is anyone thirsty here this morning? <laughs> if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. It goes on to say in Isaiah 55, and you who have no money, Come by and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread? Why do you waste your time, your energy, your effort, your resources on things that won't satisfy? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. This is the bread that's come down from heaven. He who eats of this bread will never hunger anymore. He who eats of this bread will have eternal life. Jesus extends to us today the opportunity to come and feast on the bread of heaven. In Exodus the Israelites were on their journey out of the Egypt into the wilderness journey and the Bible says in Exodus 16 that they came to the wilderness of sin. <laughs> and while they were in the wilderness of sin, you can go and yeah there it is, it's on the screen. Isaiah or excuse me, Exodus 16 verse 1, that they came out of Egypt and they were on their journey and they came to the wilderness of sin and they were halfway between Elam and Sinai. They were almost to the mountain of encounter. They were almost to the place where God came and visited his people. They were halfway to the place where God was going to meet them face to face and inscribe with his very finger on the rock the law that he gave them. This this was the journey that they were on. And while they were there they wandered into the wilderness of sin. And the Bible says if you keep going in that verse, I think it's chapter verse two. There it is. The whole congregation of children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. They were complaining, Well, you should have left us in Egypt. You should have left us alone in Egypt where we could have ate our full and we would have been safe. You know, feasting on the bread of heaven is a risky adventure. <laughs> Amen. When you start feasting on Jesus, when He becomes everything to you and you begin to feast on the bread of heaven, it's risky. It's risky. People look at you and say, you're crazy. They don't think you've lost your mind. Jesus stood up before the disciples and said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. And He looked at them and said, does this offend you? And the Bible says that many left Jesus that day. It's a risky business to stand up and tell people. If you, you know, we we think it's like you know any of the cults that've gone Jesus, you've lost your mind. You gotta drink the Kool Aid, you know, and that's that's what it sounded like in their ears. You gotta drink the. I gotta I gotta eat your flesh and drink your. But they didn't have eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind to understand. When you and I start feasting on the manna that comes from heaven, Jesus, Christ, it's risky. It means that we have to give up the comforts, the Turkish delights. we got to give up the things that are comfortable, the things of this life that satisfy. And all of a sudden, we begin to taste these small little bites. You know, manna, the manna that came down from heaven, it was about the size of coriander seed. The Bible says it was white and about the size of a coriander seed. It wasn't small, but they had to go, or it wasn't large cakes of bread or loaves of bread. They had to go out in the grass and dig for this and, and, and move the blades of grass around and, and get this seed-looking uh, you know, looking thing out of the ground. They had to work. There was a little, little bit of work involved here. They had to gather for themselves two quarts of manna a day to sustain themselves. They had to get it and eat it before it would turn sour and rotten. And they had to pick it all up before the worms would get to it. Jesus offers to you and I today that we can come and feast freely on Him, that there is an eternal supply. It doesn't get rotten just because the end of the day is coming. We don't have to get just a double portion to get us through the next day. We can eat freely on the bread of heaven. You know, the danger with sin when you wander into the wilderness of sin is you find satisfaction that only lasts for a moment. You find temporary satisfaction. The Bible says that the, Jesus said that the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And so when you're in the wilderness of sin, you're eating and feasting on the delicacies of the devil instead of feasting on the eternal manna of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't want to feast on the delicacies, of the, the delicacies of the devil that go rotten. I want to feast on Jesus. I want to feast on the manna of Jesus. You know, when you've when you've tasted, when you've tasted the the devil's delicacies, when you're eating of his of his rotten things that bring uh, that bring discouragement and bring defeat. When you're feasting on those things, what happens is you all of a sudden you have this enjoyment of sin in your life you're you're now enjoying sin sin's having its pleasure for a moment and then all of a sudden those pleasures and those joys fade away and all you see is what was stolen, what was taken from you. All you see is what, what's been lost and you don't have the hope of the light of Christ in you anymore. The sin has robbed you. It's stolen from you. And some of you this morning, you've been eating of delicacies that don't satisfy. They, they don't bring lasting satisfaction. You've been feasting on the devil's delicacies and instead of eating on the manna, manna manifested from heaven. And all of a sudden, you begin to find yourself like the Israelites. Well, we should have stayed in Egypt. It would have been better. God, why did you bring me up out of Egypt? God, why did you have to do this? Why did you do that? I should, you should have done it my way, Lord. I, didn't, I have a better idea. Why don't we do it my way? And all of a sudden, you start complaining about what God's doing in your life, and you miss the manna that's come from heaven. You miss the opportunity to enjoy God because everybody did you wrong. Somebody did you wrong. And that's what happens when you dwell in the wilderness of sin. When you begin to feast on Christ. When you begin to eat of the manna of heaven, it nourishes your soul. And no longer can death and disease and the gangrene of complaining and gossiping come out of your mouth. What comes out of your life is the nourishment of heaven. What comes out of your life is the result of eating the manna of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the manna was sweet to the taste. It was wafers made with honey. Oh, have you tasted today the sweetness of the Lord. Have you tasted the sweetness of his goodness? He's, he's not bread that's bitter to the taste. Oh no, when we when we begin to eat of the manna of heaven, we don't set sail on the dead sea. We've all of a sudden we're on the ocean of his goodness and his love, enjoying the sweetness of his presence. I can tell you all day long how the honey is sweet. I can tell you all day long about the goodness of honey. And you can have a mental ascent of the of the knowledge of the sweetness of honey, but when you've tasted it for yourself, when you've tasted the sweet Of honey for yourself. When you've tasted the sweetness of his presence for yourself, you don't want anything else. When you've tasted the sweetness of Jesus, when you tasted the bread from heaven for yourself, does anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? And when you taste the bread of heaven for yourself, it changes everything. Changes everything. You don't want anything else. You don't want a journey in the wilderness of sin. You don't want a journey in, in earthly manner. You want a journey eating and feasting on the Lord Jesus. He's the bread that satisfies us. In Matthew chapter 15 in Matthew 15 verses 21 through 27 we find the story of the Syrophoenician woman. I love this. I love this, this encounter with Jesus the Syrophoenician woman. This woman was from northern Galilee. She was probably the descendant of the Canaanites she had been run out of the promised land when the israelites had went in and she was the descendants of these folks and jesus is been, he's been tired, he's weary, he's been ministering, and he wants to get alone with his disciples. So they leave the crowds and the, the multitudes behind, and they go to the northern region of Galilee. And this is where we pick up the story in Matthew 15. and verse 21 it says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from the region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word and his disciples came and implored him saying, send her away. She keeps shouting at us. And he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him and saying, Lord, help me. The Greek there, what's depicted there in the Greek is that Jesus was in the home. She came and she disrupted the meal. So Jesus and the disciples get up to leave the home. And as they're walking away, she throws himself on the ground in front of him and says, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Lord, there's <laughs> there's, there is there's, on the master's table this woman. Let me just paint this picture for you before I get too, too carried away in this message here. There is on this table... She's come to the home where Jesus and his disciples are are sitting and eating dinner together. She's no stranger to the the meal. She's no stranger to to eating dinner. She's she's probably fixed many dinners herself for her family and her loved ones. She comes into the table and she she knows proper protocol. She knows proper procedure. She shouldn't come up to Jesus while he's eating and disturb the meal. But she comes in before Jesus and says, Lord, help my daughter. She's, She's possessed by devils, Lord help her and she's desperate she's desperate to see God touch her family she's desperate for Jesus and Jesus the Bible says answers her not a word have you ever been in those moments where you've cried out to the Lord and he answers you not a word? The silent moments, those silent times with the Lord when you're asking for your direction, you're asking for insight, you're asking for, Lord, just do something. And he says not a word. Let me say this about silent times with the Jesus. Silent times with Jesus, silence is not rejection. Jesus' intention with this woman it was not that he would reject her. This woman joined the ranks of those many who had gone before, her, like the Samaritan woman, when Jesus sat down with the woman at the well and said, Give me a drink. And she she said, but Lord, if I could just have this water. Jesus begins to talk to her about living water. She joins the ranks of like blind Bartimaeus who's sitting on the roadside. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shh, be quiet. Be quiet. The master's coming. Be quiet. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Croaks out, the Bible says, all the louder. And Jesus brings the man and his desperation caught the ears of the the master. His desperation caught the ears of Jesus and he received his healing that day. Yes, yeah, so the desperation attracts the attention of Jesus. Desperation problem is we've, as I said two weeks ago or a week ago, we've got our pacifiers and we're just, give me another event, pastor. Give me another poem, pastor. Give me another good feeling, pastor. Help me feel good about myself, pastor. And we just keep sucking on our pacifiers and there's no desperation. And the Lord wants to jerk our pacifiers away from us and cause us to be desperate again for him. I'm going to be desperate for his presence. Desperate for him, not another religious message or a religious service. Desperate for the things of God. This woman was desperate. She needed a touch from the Lord. Silence is not God's rejection. Draw near to God. This woman continued, continued drawing near to God. In spite of Jesus' response in the moment, she threw herself at his feet. When it seemed like Jesus was walking away from her, she threw himself, Lord, help me. Don't leave me alone. Don't leave my family the way it is. And I, I want to ask you this morning, are you that desperate? Will you throw yourself in front of his feet and say, Jesus, don't leave my family the same way it is It is. It is. today. God, don't leave my city the same way it is. Lord, give me children like Rachel cried or I die. Lord, send revival. Send awakening. Lord awaken our community lest we die Lord we need your touch draw near to God and he will draw near to you and then ask yourself this is a great question to ask yourself when you're in those silent times with the Lord is God really being silent or is he just not saying what I want him to say it's a great question to ask yourself because a lot of times Jesus was not silent with this woman after that. He had a response that she didn't want to hear. But desperation caused her to press in in spite of it. Sometimes God tells us things we don't want to hear. You need to deal with the sin issue in your heart. You need to deal with the rejection in your heart. You need to deal with this or that. And he begins to point out areas of our heart that he wants to begin to transform. And if we're not desperate for him, what that does is it drives us away from him. When we're not desperate for the Lord and he begins to challenge us and convict us, we begin to wander back into the wilderness of sin and complain about everybody else. But but when you're desperate for the Lord... It drives you even more into His presence. When God says you need to deal with this, when God says you need to uh, be transformed in this area, it doesn't drive us backwards. It drives us forwards and more into His presence, more into His glory, because we know that it's only there that we'll be changed. It's only in His presence that we'll be transformed. This woman knew that her only hope for her daughter was that she would have an encounter with the presence of God. Yeah. That it is our only hope. There is no other option. There is only one end to this mission. And it is to embrace Jesus at all costs. Yeah. It's all she had. It's the only hope that she had. She had done all she could for her daughter. And there was only one answer. And it was the presence of the Lord. And fourthly, about the silent moments with Jesus. Know that de- delays are not denials. Delays in his presence Oftentimes, give the Lord the opportunity as we press into Him to change us and transform us. If God were to give you everything that He promised you at this moment, do you have the character and the ability to sustain what He were to give you at this time? Sometimes we have to go on a journey with the Lord. Sometimes we have to go, uh, well, not just sometimes, all the time. We have to go on a journey with the Lord. And he changes and transforms us. He does a work in our life so that our character and who we are can sustain the blessing that he gives us. You know, the demon possession is a tricky thing here, and I don't want to get on demonic stuff. But I, you know, this woman could have went home. Jesus could have set her free, did the miracle. She cleaned her house. The Bible says she could she could have cleaned up her house, gotten everything all nice and tidy. And the demon come back and said, oh, this is a clean house, but nobody's taking residence here. So let's go get seven others and let's make this situation even worse. Right? That's what the Bible says happens. And so sometimes we got to go on a journey with the Lord so that when we get cleaned up and the issues of our heart get dealt with, we have the character to sustain and the spiritual life to sustain what God's doing in us. That we don't open up ourselves to to greater disaster down the road because the Bible says that pride, what, what? It leads to great destruction. And so we have to have God transform us. We have to humble ourselves in our desperation, lay ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, transform me, change me. I don't want to be the same person that I used to be. And then she goes on and She seemed to get refused by the Lord. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of your house. Have you ever felt that way, like the Lord was refusing you? Remember, the delays are not always denial. Sometimes God has to do a work in your life to prepare you for what's ahead. And she goes on, and she was disappointed. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Reproach, disappointment. Has Jesus ever disappointed you before? Let me ask you this. When Jesus disappoints you, how do you respond? When Jesus lets you down, when it seems like he's not answering the way that you want him to, does it drive you into his presence? This woman, she says to him, Lord... But even the dogs eat the crumbs under the master's table. Can I tell you today, if we'll, if we'll begin to put on Christ, if we'll begin to see Christ for who he is in that moment, that one speck of crumb contained everything that was in the entire loaf, everything that the loaf of bread had was in that little tiny bit of crumb. If she would just begin to eat the morsels that fell on the floor, she would find deliverance. She'd find healing. She'd find freedom. And she knew it. She knew it. If she could just get but just one little piece of a crumb that her life would be ever transformed. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. I might not be able to get an entire audience with Jesus. But if I can just get the hem of his garment. If I can just grab hold of the bottom of his clothes. I know I'll be made whole. And today you may not feel like you can have an audience with the king. You may not feel like the, you can get access to the whole loaf of bread. But if you can just get a crumb, if you can just get a hold of his garment, just one touch from the master changes everything. Changes everything. James tells us, count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into trials. Command yourself to be in a place of joy. Command yourself. Self, shut up. I'm not gonna live by my emotions. I'm not gonna live by how I feel about this situation. I am going to be joyful. I'm gonna smile. When it's raining outside, I'm gonna smile. When life seems to be falling apart, I'm going to smile. I'm going to be happy anyway. I'm going to command myself to be in a place where the supernatural joy of the Lord is my strength. And if that means I've got to sit under the table with the dogs and eat the crumbs, I'm going to be happy about it because I'm getting the peace of my Jesus. I'm going to get, even if it's just a little crumb of his presence, I'm going to get everything I need in that crumb. <laughs> Uh, yes, <laughs> you know, you know. There's there's something funny about that, because when you eat the crumb, have you ever been? You know, we're from New Orleans. We like to eat, and uh, we like, you know, good good food. We like to eat good food. Bob Evans doesn't cut it. So we like we like good food. When you when you go and you, you get the good food. It was funny, we went to the, the district thing, hopefully nobody from the district listens to this message. We went to the district uh, event, and they're handing out cards, you know, congratulation things to some of the pastors, and uh, we were, in 2014, we were the number one for Holy Spirit baptisms in our section, and number two for salvations in our section, and, uh, which is awesome. And so they're congrat- congratulating all the pastors, and you get to the end of the line, and they had McDonald's gift cards. <laughs> I'm like, they don't know me very well, do they? <laughs> so I donated my gift card to somebody that was with us. But uh, we like good food. McDonald's doesn't qualify. We like good food. When you go, when you go there's this place in uh, Lafayette where her family's from, outside Lafayette. It's called the Village Cafe. And all, this little cafe, is just a house. It's an old, old Acadiana home that's been run down. doesn't even have central air. It's like, you know, open up the windows kind of place. And, but they serve boys. And if you don't know, if you don't know what a boy is, it's a little slice of heaven that, uh, man, you just see, And you haven't had one till you've had theirs. Let me just say that. You haven't had one till you've had theirs. They make their bread fresh daily. And their bread, and so, I mean, when they bring out these sandwiches, they fill up, they'd fill up this whole table. I mean, it's huge. Am I making you hungry yet? I mean, it's huge, huge loaf of fresh French bread. Oh, man. I'm getting, I slap your mama good. I mean, that's some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get offended, that's a Cajun term <laughs> slap your mama. Uh, but, man, that, that was good. And they, they had, they pile up the fried shrimp. And it was, I mean, it's fresh. I mean, it's right out of the Gulf. I mean, fresh, fried shrimp, shredded lettuce, pickles, mayo, whatever you want on it. I'm just, I'm envisioning this right now. (laughs) Call those things that are not as though they were. Maybe they'll just miraculously appear on your, you know. Man, that's good. I forgot where I was going with that. Anyway. (laughs) Just one little bit of that bread, man, you just get one taste, and, and whoo, that is some good bread. When you begin to feast on the Lord, just that one little taste, that one little bit of his presence, that one little bit of his goodness, that one taste, that one bite, what does it do? It satisfies you, but then it gives you a longing for more. It gives you just a, wow, that was a good bite. I think I want Another all of a sudden, you, I think I want another. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you just fill up on the, on the po' boy. Whoop, you know, you're just eating. And then what do you do? You go tell somebody. I just had the best po' boy you could ever have. You need to come. Village Cafe, and you stand up and you preach a message about Village Cafe and how they need to come eat and feast on, on the bread of heaven at Village Cafe. Right, and you just, and then all of a sudden, people just start coming with you. I got to try this bread you're talking about. You said it was sweet to the taste. Let me have a little bite of that. And they, and we just start passing the loaf. Have a bite of Jesus with me. Just have Have a taste. Have a taste and see of the goodness of the Lord. Desperation changes your perspective from how small to how much. It's just one little. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's small. It's how much of God is in that one little bite. And then her desperation impacted the generations to come. Her daughter was set free. Sometimes, when you get desperate for God and He begins to change your life, it impacts the people around you. It makes an impact for generations to come. People for years in this, in this community have been desperate for revival, hungry for God. There's been a remnant of people, a, a, a people that God has set aside and called out to believe Him for an awakening, for, for an awakening in the Great Lakes region. And, and, and there's been seasons, there's been moments of, of that that has impacted. This region. I was talking to someone this week and they, they said, Did you know that Akron was the second Azusa Street? And I said, Well, yeah, by yes, I did. I've been doing a teaching on that in our church. And we had a whole long conversation about the 1906 revival in Akron and what God did in Akron and how it became the, known as the second Azusa Street. And there's been there's been a generation that's hungry, that's been desperate. And it's been passed from generation to generation. It's been passed. There's hunger. There's a generation that's hungry for the real. Hungry for more of the Lord. He's the bread that supplies. In John chapter 6 verse 53. Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000. It's amazing. He takes five loaves, two fish and feeds 5,000 plus. There's 5,000 men. That didn't include women and children. You've heard me teach on this before, but this this little lad who thought his lunch was insignificant became the lunch that in Jesus' hands fed thousands. You may feel like you have nothing to offer. Your life is insignificant. Your ministry, your call, whatever God's put in your heart is insignificant. But when you begin to feast on Jesus... When you begin to yield to him, all of a sudden, the insignificant becomes paramount. It's the very thing that God uses to affect the multitudes. Jesus knew that these folks he was ministering to, he'd fed them. And he knew that they wanted to forcibly make him king. I mean, this was a major sign for these folks. And they were ready to forcibly make him king, the Bible says. And Jesus knew it. And so he withdrew from the crowd by himself and he went to pray. And as he went to pray, the disciples set out and and they begin to cross over. We know the story. And Jesus comes walking to them on the water and all of the great miracles that happen. He ministers to the man at the Gadarenes, the demoniac. All this is transpiring in this time. And the people are so caught up by this miracle of of the bread and fish In the morning, they realize Jesus and the disciples are gone. And so what do they do? His boat's gone. Let's go find him. So they get in their boats and they go set sail across Galilee and find him. And they track him down. They run him down. The multitudes are coming to find Jesus. And they're asking him about the sign. And they, they want to make him king. And they're asking him about this sign. And this was Jesus' response in verse 53. He says, And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. There's an old hymn. Come and dine, the Master calleth. Come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitudes turned the water into wine. To the hungry, call us now, come and dine. Jesus still extends the invitation to you and I to come and dine, to come and feast, but we're feasting on the bread of heaven. We're feasting on the body and the blood of Jesus. It's He that sustains us. It's He that satisfies us. Today, will you be satisfied with Jesus? Is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus able to satisfy you? Today, as we receive communion we take a look at the Last Supper in Matthew 26. Jesus is the bread that saves us. Jesus is the bread from heaven that saves us from our depravity, saves us from our carnality, saves us from our sin. In Matthew 26 it says, Now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. That had to be hard words for his closest people to hear. I mean, regardless of who you are, I don't care who you are. When you, when you hear your fearless leader telling you, one of you is getting ready to betray me, everybody starts is it me? Am I going to betray you? Am I going to do something that's going be to betray you? And that's what happens. They each one began to say, I'm surely not I, Lord. And he answered... He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. It's interesting. Every one of them there had the potential to be the betrayer. Everyone in that room. And I would say to us today, every one of us has betrayed the Lord. Everyone not only has the opportunity and the capability, we've all done it. We've all betrayed him. When, we've, when we chose our Turkish delights over the bread of heaven, we betrayed him. When we've chosen the sin, the wilderness of sin, we betrayed him. When we, when we chose to live in our carnality, we betrayed him. And all of us do it. And yet he still offers freely the bread. He still extended to Judas, even the one who was about ready to betray him. He still offered to him the dinner meal. The one that will dip his hand with me. Verse 24, the Son of Man is to go just as written of him, but woe to that man whom the Son of Man has betrayed. It would have been good for that man to have not even been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I. (laughs) Judas, the man who was going to betray him, surely it's not I. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. And while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing, he broke it and gave to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the, the blood, my blood, of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sin. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on till the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. <laughs> Jesus leading the worship, singing a hymn. Communion and fellowship with the Lord. The glory of God is best revealed in the redemption of fallen man. He takes the mess of our lives and displays his glory when we begin to feast on the bread of heaven. We stop feasting and eating those things that produce death and condemnation and guilt in our lives, and we begin to eat on heaven, feast on Jesus. Eat of the bread of heaven, the bread of life. Yeah, it's eternal bread. (laughs) It's an eternal bread that lasts forever. It's a bread that will satisfy and yet make you hungry for more. It's a bread that saves. It's a bread that supplies. It's the bread that satisfies. It's the bread that sustains this wonderful bread of heaven. I'm going to ask those that are serving communion if they'll go ahead and begin to prepare. And as they do, Peter preached this message at Cornelius' house. This message is still true for you and I today. He says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things he did both in the land of, of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all people, but to witnesses who were chosen before him by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. See, Jesus longs to reveal himself. Jesus longs to reveal himself. But he wants to know, are you willing to sit down and eat dinner with him? Are you willing to sit down and have communion with him? Are you willing to sit down and fellowship with him? Are you willing to sit down and eat of the body and the blood of Jesus? He ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. As he preached these things, verse 44 says, As he preached these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard, and they were baptized, and the Holy Spirit began to speak in tongues and magnify the Lord. And it says that those who came with Peter and those in the community were amazed that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. See, communion with the Lord, fellowship with the Lord brings us into an opportunity to receive more than what we could ever imagine. We feast on the bread of heaven, and we can step into this whole new world of supernatural reality. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father,